This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State football fans, how are you? Bob Flounders joined by... uh, Johnny McGonigal, if you're watching this and not listening, yes, we did choose to wear the exact same color pullover uh, in honor of. I'm. I, I got to give it to you, Johnny. I didn't think Michigan was going to win it all when we both made our our final four predictions a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was going to be Alabama. You said Michigan. I believe I mem- remember that correctly. Uh, well done. We both watched the game, but we also want to talk about what Penn State's been doing or try attempting to do in the transfer portal. Uh, where, where would you like to start, Johnny? Well, Bob, we're recording this, you know, just a, a touch afternoon on Tuesday. Let, let's get to the national championship game, I think, and then maybe get to the portal and, and everything else. But, uh, yeah, I did pick Michigan to, to win the title. Uh, you can't give me too much credit because I had Texas beating Washington uh, in the semifinal. I, Washington almost gave them that game at the very end. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Michigan coming out on top. It's, it's one of those where, like, like I mentioned, it's college football loves a villain. They love a team to hate uh, a lot of fan bases, particularly Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan state, uh, last night, I'm sure we're going through it a bit watching Jim Harbaugh, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, uh, and this Wolverine team that is, uh, that has caused the big 10 so much pain over the last few years. Uh, ultimately get that national title uh, after making the playoff last year, getting back and winning it. Uh, that that defense, Bob, is just nasty. I love Michael Penix, uh, his wide receivers, you know, Adunze, Polk, McMillan, like those guys uh, were torching defenses all season long. Penix was unconsciously good uh, in the semifinal against Texas. But, you know, that, that Michigan defense just got after him early and often. Uh, Penix was was playing through injury out there. He didn't look right. He looked, you know, frankly rattled, shook, whatever you want to describe. And it was that Michigan defense that was doing that to him. Uh, and then, the, the, you know, the running game that Penn State has experienced the brunt of it over the last couple of years. Donovan Edwards, uh, you know, him breaking off those two runs, I'm sure looked familiar. You know, Blake Corum <laughs> doing his thing, I'm sure looked familiar. Like, and and obviously, like it's not something that that many fans were really rooting for is a Michigan win. Um, but that they, they were the best team in college football this year, uh, unless, you, unless you, like some people, think that if Georgia beat Bama, that Georgia would have, would have won the whole thing again. But uh, give credit to Michigan where it's due, sign-stealing scandal and all, uh, you know, th- their own adversity uh, that, that they created for themselves, really. Uh, they were able to, to overcome that, stay focused, and, and win a national title, Bob. Yeah, I was I, I, the thing I was wondering about going into the game. I ha, I actually had I had Alabama and Texas uh, winning and Alabama winning it all. But having seen Michael Penix uh, when he was at Indiana in the Big Ten, uh, he orchestrated one of the great uh, comebacks against Penn State in the 2020 season opener. But he was hitting that game too. He he played great at the end. Um, I was just curious to see. I just feel, Johnny, that in the Big Ten, defense is a little bit different than it is, um, uh, you know, in the Pac-12, the now defunct Pac-12. I'm not saying they ignore it. (laughs) I just don't know if it's as big of a priority. Big Ten teams, even some of the 
shakier teams, a lot of them really play physical, good defense, whether it's Rutgers, whether it's Iowa, whether it's Minnesota. I mean, you might beat them, uh, but you're going to know you're in a game. And the better the better the team, the better the defense. Ohio State's defense was nasty this year. Obviously, Penn State's was, but Michigan's was at the top of the list. And I just you knew you knew that they were going to try and make him uncomfortable. And how was he going to react, right? And and you know, not to rehash the game too much, but there were some moments in the game, even though he wasn't a hundred percent, where there were a couple of big plays out there that he just missed, and they couldn't really afford to miss them in a game like that. I, I just thought it was a little bit telling. I just wonder, real quick, before we move on, Johnny, just to get your thoughts, because I think. That you know, there were a lot of people going into the game that assumed that he was going to be a game changer at the next level. And as far as throwing the football and his accuracy, I think he is one of the better quarterbacks that are going to be available in the draft. But he's also got a pretty rich uh, history of medical issues. And I'm just wondering if you're an NFL talent evaluator, how much do you take that into consideration? Because you're going to get hit in the NFL quite a bit too, especially if you don't go to the right team. I'm just wondering. He's not fragile, but he does take a lot of punishment, and I wonder if that's going to work against him at the next level. Yeah, it, it might, Bob. And and something to note too: we talk so much about Michigan's defense and how uh, mate made his life uh, difficult. This was the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line in Washington this year. Michigan, after winning it back-to-back years, uh, did not win it this year. It was Washington, and and Faltana at left tackle has been really good all year. Their right tackle, though, was living in hell all night. Um, and and there were a couple of calls that that honestly went Michigan's way. Uh, the holding call that negated Roma Dunze's big play, I thought was really soft. And then on the on the next drive, uh, when Michigan hits a big one, you know, it was a clear holding call that, that that they just don't throw the flag on. It was ACC refs, Bob. Having covering Pitt for three <laughs> years, I know ACC refs all too well. They are terrible, um, and I don't think they had their best night. Um, overall, but uh, you, you can't w- when the score is what it was, and, and frankly, I, I thought it could have been bigger at halftime uh, than a seven-point game. Uh, you know w- what are you going to do? Um, this was this was kind of a machine, a juggernaut uh, of a defense of a running game. I don't think JJ McCarthy, like I said, like he, he hadn't impressed me all year. He didn't impress me in this game at all. Like you know, he he ran for a first down scramble, which was a big play. And then threw some nice shallow crossers, uh, and that was about it. That's all he really needed to do. Uh, I don't know if J.J. McCarthy is really going to be an NFL quarterback, despite him being, I think, number five on Mel Kuyper's big board. Yeah, I struggle with that, too. I really struggle with that. Uh, But what didn't struggle was Michigan's offense, uh, because all Sharon Moore and those guys had to do was pound the rock, uh, and, and they got after it early. I think they had 174 rushing yards in the first quarter. And that's kind of the Michigan team that we've seen all year. Um, is it going to be the Michigan team that we see next year? Probably not. Jim Harbaugh I, will, I think, probably go to the NFL. Uh, Blake Corum and, and so many of those guys that made that offense and that team tick are going to be in the NFL. I think they've, they're about 10-1 to 1 to win the national title next year. They're like sixth or seventh favorites. Um, so Penn State, by the way, 25-1 to 1, if, if anyone wants to throw some shekels. On on Penn State, uh, even though I'm sure I'm sure Penn State fans will be wanting to hold on to their money after watching the Peach Bowl and, and how the 2023 season went, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of you know the culmination of the year, Bob. Um, it was you know it, it it was difficult going into the playoff to 
to look at Michigan and say, yeah, like, you know, they're going to be able to keep up with a Washington or, or a Texas if they made it or even beat Alabama, given I think Bama is probably the more talented team. Um, but they're, they're, that culture, the way that that, that, that team identity uh, ended up winning out. Yeah. Well, one more thing I wanted to get to, and, and as it pertains to Penn State, Johnny, is so next year the schedule will be uh, very much different with the inclusion of the uh, the four Pac-12 teams. Michigan is not, Johnny, on the schedule. But <clears throat> for Penn State fans who have not looked ahead, Johnny, I think that you have, but there's a stretch from early October through early November that is going to be very, very daunting, I think, for this 2024 Penn State team. And I just wanted to read it off real quick. There is a bye week in there, but it's going to be a real challenge. And I think Penn State fans are going to be interested to, to, to look at this schedule just because of the games on it. But October 5th, uh, the Lions are going to host UCLA. October 12th, they go out to USC. Uh, there's a bye week. October 26th, they go out to Wisconsin, which could be improved, I think, next year, uh, the second year, I think, in Fickle's system. Uh, never an easy place to play. November 2nd, they host Ohio State. And then November 9th, they host Washington. So UCLA, USC, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Washington in order. Uh, I don't know that I've seen a tougher, uh, in terms of talent anyway, a tougher, a tougher five-game schedule during the regular season for Penn State since I've been covering the team. Yeah, you, you look at those names alone, just you know, and and I mentioned the the preseason, um, already preseason, because it's the day after the title game and you know, national title odds for next season are out already. Uh Michigan 20 or excuse me, Michigan 10 to 1, they're not on the schedule, but Ohio State is one of the favorites. Uh, of course, USC, um, you know, Washington, uh, even Wisconsin. You look at those teams in there, it, it's not a fun stretch, but also you know, let's also not consider let, – let, let's not say that Penn State is facing the 2023 versions of these teams because they're not like, – Michael Penix will not be playing quarterback for Washington. He'll be in the NFL. Caleb Williams will not be playing quarterback for USC. He'll be in the NFL. So these are going to be different teams. But, uh, yeah, it's not it's not going to be an easy stretch for Penn State by any means. It's nice that they get, they get that bye week after the USC game out in Los Angeles. Uh, but hosting Ohio State and then coming – you know, then having Washington come in – uh, a team that I still think is going to be good next year, even without Penix and, and some of those NFL type wide receivers, they've got a really good NIL system out there. They're going to be able to to keep this thing going under Caleb DeBoer, who I think was the coach of the year, um, you know, before the national title game. Obviously, I'm sure Harbaugh would have uh, won the coach of the year if the votes were taken after the game. Uh, but it's going to be a difficult stretch. This is the new Big Ten. Um Penn State could go ten and two and make the college football playoff. I'm sure they would if that were the case, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be harder uh, next year to do that um, with Ohio State still on the schedule and even without Michigan. Yeah, fascinating schedule, and I know the fans are probably excited about some of the trips. It's, if you if you like to travel and watch Penn State football, there's some really good trips. I think there's a trip to Minnesota on the schedule as well. They open the season <laughs> in Morgantown, West Virginia. I don't know how excited a fan would be to go to that game, but I'm sure there's many that will. But a lot of interesting destinations if you're a Penn State fan. This is the Blue White Breakdown. And you mentioned the makeup of like a, a lot of teams and with the transfer portal, the way that it is and NIL, the way that it is and all of that. You just don't know what the team's going to look like. Ohio State's already reshaped 
its offense quite a bit. We could talk about that, but let's talk about what Penn State has done. As we, it's January 9th, and we're not trying to outdate anything, so why don't we just talk about what they have added rather than what they may add because the news could be old or wrong you know, in, in a couple of hours. But they have added two pretty intriguing pieces uh, for their offense. I think one, obviously, Julian Fleming is in a better, a much better spot to make an Im- immediate impact. There's another, uh, Nolan Rucci, the offensive lineman that uh, was a five-star a couple of years ago and Penn State wanted. He could be a factor at some point, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. But I think Julian Fleming is the one right now that I think has the fan base excited. Yeah, definitely. And James Franklin has said this time and time again, especially over the last 12 to 18 months when he's had to take an honest look at what he has in his wide receiver room, that wide receiver is the position that that can impact the team the quickest, the most immediate. And I think that's what they'll be looking for from Julian Fleming after he spent four years at Ohio State, former Southern Columbia, standout number one player in PA in his recruiting class, one of the top prospects in the country at the time. Very notably, uh, spurned Penn State, rejected the Nittany Lions, went to Ohio State. Like there was some bad blood, I know, in, in terms of just like the fan base, and um, but all that's taken back now. Now he, he's he's at Penn State and and looking to make an impact because he spent the last few years stuck behind. Talk about first round wide receivers on on Washington. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Like you know. Julian Fleming has had to battle all these guys for reps and has and has never been more than Ohio State's number three receiver, uh, but he can be so much more for Penn State. He's already a great blocker, and I know that th- that's not a sexy thing to say about a wide receiver, but um, and he has the talent uh, to be an impact player in the passing game. Penn State's going to need him to be. Uh, they're still after more wide receivers in the portal, um, and they will continue to be. The portal is closed, Bob, for underclassmen at this point, but Grad transfers can enter at any point and always have been able to enter at any point. So would still expect to see some movement there. Uh, Nolan Rucci, I think, could make an impact immediately because you look at Penn State's tackle situation. Uh, we knew Olu Fashanu was going to be going to the NFL draft to project a top five pick. Uh, but Caden Wallace is not coming back uh, to use his final year of eligibility. He's kind of just I think he's 23, 24 years old. Like he's kind of just all right. Like college experience is over for me. Uh, at right tackle, but he was really good, I thought, for Penn State this year after being inconsistent prior to that. Uh, so they're replacing two tackles. Drew Shelton is the obvious, uh, I think, replacement for Olu on the left side. But I think Nolan Rucci, who's been Wisconsin's backup left tackle for the last couple years, behind Jack Nelson, who's an NFL-type player, and is I thought Jack Nelson would leave for the NFL, but he's coming back. Um, you know, I think Nolan will push drew at left tackle and if not like if if drew wins out on that on that job i think Rucci could very easily be penn state's right tackle um we're looking at anthony donka javen williams uh as some other guys who will be in that mix but uh i think Rucci, a former five-star guy from warwick who again penn state was really in on and uh a penn state legacy coming out of high school someone that they really wanted uh coming to state college i think those are two really big pickups for them yeah and let's let's uh uh you mentioned Javen Williams, Anthony Donko. I was I was not pleasantly surprised. I it was a little it, I was just a little caught off guard that Donko was going to play a big role uh, in the Peach Bowl. I figured if it, if they did if Caden wanted to just play a half and maybe sit the second half, which some of the regulars I think did in that game, 
that maybe it would be Javen Williams or it would be somebody else. But I think a, a guy that they like but was maybe more ticketed or m- maybe more targeted to be a guard was the guy in the, in the, uh, in the second half. And he really, I thought, uh, was, did, had an admirable showing. He didn't look out of place. Very impressive size. That, that, did, that, that did catch me a little bit off guard. I, I didn't see that one coming. But I think that bodes well. Um, if, if they like Javen Williams and this guy could play that position and still play guard, they bring in uh, Rucci and they have Shelton. Um, you know, that offensive line on the outside really, I think, um, they must feel very good about their death. But I was – what I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought Anthony Donko really, really showed well in that game. And, you know, that was not an easy environment to function in. Um, he looked very comfortable, and I think that has got to make – uh, Phil Troutwine and James Franklin uh, very happy as they get ready for the offseason. Yeah, I thought he performed well. And and this is a situation now, too. You look at this offensive line moving forward. Uh, it's a good performance to have going into the offseason, going into winter workouts uh, and eventually spring ball when you're going to be competing for snaps. Um, this is a, an offensive line room with Phil Troutwine that not only is replacing Olu Fashanu, uh, at left tackle, Caden Wallace at right tackle. They're going to be replacing Hunter Norris at its center. Uh, look for Nick Dawkins, I think, to be that guy uh, that will step up. Sal Wormley still hasn't announced anything, you know, yes or no, on whether or not he's coming back or staying. But if I had to guess, I would think he would stay the starting uh, guard. And so and then you you talk about all the talent that we just talked about with Rucci and uh, and Javen and Anthony Donka, and they got Alex Birchmeyer in there. It was a really highly rated guy in the 2023 class. They just signed uh, Cooper Cousins, who, you know, it's not common for true freshmen to come in and play. But uh, James Franklin said that among the offensive linemen that they signed in this in this 2024 class, he is kind of just the built different guy, the guy who looks mo- most prepared if needed. Um, and so I do think it's a good group for Phil Troutwine. It's going to be a different group, but a good group. Uh, and then you look on the other side of the ball, too. Devon Elise is coming back. Uh, Hakeem Beeman is coming back at defensive tackle. You're losing Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson on the edge, but deny Dennis Sutton, Zariah Fisher, Amin Vanover, Jamel Lyons. Uh, all the story on Jamel coming later this week uh, for those who follow us over at penlive.com. Uh, I think Penn State is in a pretty solid spot in the trenches. Obviously, there will be question marks. Chop and Adisa were so huge for them off the edge this year. Olu was just. You know, he was as stout as stout comes at left tackle, and Caden played well this year. So there's going to be question marks going in uh, to winter workouts and spring ball. But I think overall, uh, from the trenches standpoint, uh, I think Penn State's in, in, a, in a pretty decent spot going into 2024. Yeah, it's really, in a, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, it's, it's wide out. You still need to see what's going to happen with quarterback. Um, c- corner is an interesting spot, obviously, when that's been – the last couple of years, that's been a position of, of of real strength. There's talent in that room, but that's a that's a position I think that uh, we'll see how we'll see how that plays out and what happens maybe in the transfer portal. But Johnny, uh, you know that Peach Bowl loss. Um, they finished the season ten and three. Uh, they did not. They just. I know they were shorthanded, right? But it, there were so many things about that game to me that were. I wouldn't use the word disappointing, but maybe unsettling. I just thought the the performance as a whole, I I did I did not think that they wanted the game maybe as badly as Ole Miss did. But <clears throat> well, the reason I bring that up is for your final AP ballot, uh, 
given the, the season as a whole, but the recency of the of the Peach Bowl, uh, where did you have Penn State? How did you see the season? Um, and what, how did you really view that Peach Bowl loss? Was it a one-off that maybe, hey, look, you know, bowl season's completely different from the regular season. They, their defense was so good. They were missing key pieces. There were there were veterans that maybe they were playing in the game, but maybe they were also kind of looking forward to the NFL. When, when you look at the sum of the parts of the Peach Bowl, how did it impact um, your, your AP ballot? And also, how did it imp- impact your thoughts on maybe whether Penn State achieved or underachieved during the regular season? Yeah, Bob, I, I dropped Penn State a spot. So I had him at 10 after the conference championship games. I moved him to 11. Uh, it, it, when you look at the Peach Bowl, kind of like what you mentioned with how many opt-outs they had, Chop Robinson opted out like weeks in advance. Uh, Johnny Dixon was clearly not going to play because he was in Florida like right after uh, the, the season finale in Detroit against Michigan State. Kalen King was kind of a late – I thought he was going to play. James thought – I think James did too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the coaching staff thought he was going to play. Uh, and so he shows up on the availability report as out you know, a couple hours before kick. Uh, and that throws you know Cam Miller and true freshman Zion Tracy into the fire, and you know th- those Ole Miss wide receivers are really good. Jackson Dart, his ball placement was incredible. Credit to them, but I do think it it would have been. I'm not saying Penn State would have won necessarily, but I, I do think it would have been a different game uh, if if Kalen King had played uh, or at least had played the first half. Um, and it was a 20 to 17 game at halftime. Uh, and then you started to see, you know, guys like Adisa Isaac, who again, I don't blame them necessarily, um, who played in the first half, and then you really don't play in the second half, and it's your it's your two deep and three deep going up against an SEC team that won ten games in the regular season that wanted to be there. Uh, I think on the whole, the the message from James Franklin, you know, all December was about how you know we have an opportunity to win the Peach Bowl and win, you know, be the first team to win all the near six games. Uh, and and that it was you know that, that Penn State wanted to be there and it was this big opportunity for them, uh, but in the end, uh, you know, for right or wrong, fair or not, um, you know, Penn State kind of treated this thing as an exhibition game, and and that's what it was, uh, at least for the key players who didn't play or played minimally or at least only a half. And Ole Miss wanted to be there, like this was a big deal for Ole Miss, um, and so. That's why you know that's why they won, right? Like they 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 cared, um, and, and they and they did what they did all year long uh, with every piece available to them. And so this is going to be you know it's going to be a different Ole Miss team, I think, next year. Quinshawn Judkins is now going to Ohio State. Uh, they're, they're running back who uh, had over 100 yards against Penn State running. You know, Penn State's going to face him uh, in November when Ohio State comes to Beaver Stadium. That'll be interesting, Bob. Looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't want to knock Penn State too badly on my ballot for a game that was clearly it was not the defense that they had running all year long. Yeah, you mentioned Judkins. I'll tell you what, you put him behind a uh, not uh, nothing nothing against the old Miss uh, offensive line, but I don't think that was particularly a strength this year. Uh, they had lost some players, some people were beat up. It was really about the receivers in the passing game, but that running back is good. He's going to be a third-year runner, and I think Ohio State's offensive line, is it's, it's, it's a more favorable situation for him. I was very impressed by him. And how about the makeover Ohio State is undertaking on the offensive side with not only him, 
But a, a, a very different quarterback will very likely maybe be leading that offense in Will Howard, who is a, a dual threat, played at Kansas State. Um, I, I don't know if this is if, if Ryan Day has this in mind because of maybe the schedule and maybe what 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 maybe their strengths could be. But I think it's going to be interesting to see this offense come together. Those are two very talented players, but they might be a very kind of a different looking offense. Kyle McCord had Marvin Harrison. Uh, he's at Kyle McCord's at Syracuse now. I don't. I, obviously, I don't think he was the guy that they felt uh, could take them to the to you know uh, a top five ranking maybe in the polls. But I think Will Howard is a different kind of quarterback, and they could kind of win it a little bit differently. I just think that's going to be a team. Ohio State's going to be a team to watch because they're hungry, and they have uh, Judkins is a is a terrific player, and I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with Will Howard. Yeah, no, I am too. It's just another test for Penn State in 2024 and you know there's going to be questions to answer for this Penn State team too coming out of a season that I described it as kind of a deflating end to a relatively disappointing season you know you don't beat Ohio State you don't beat Michigan you don't win your 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 New Year's Six game um and what's left really like the West Virginia win or the Iowa win was probably the most impressive and uh and I think that Penn State fans are rightfully disappointed with how this season went and so uh, they still win 10 games like you know, a lot of programs in the country would bite their hands off for that. Um, but that's not where Penn State is right now. They want to be better than that. Um, and they'll have an opportunity to do that with the 12 team playoff coming open, Bob. I mean, this this would have been Ole Miss, you know, Penn State felt like or, you know, a, a future, um, you know, first round game in a, in a 12 team playoff. And Kalen King would be playing in that. Johnny Dixon, Chop Robinson, those guys, Olu Fashano would be playing uh, for a chance to win a national title. They didn't in the in this Peach Bowl. But, um, yeah, I, I just think Penn State has a lot of questions to answer over the next six, seven months. Uh, you know, with the with the offense, a new OC, Andy Kotelnicki. They got a new DC and Tom Allen. Uh, they've got to replace a lot of defensive contributors. You got to figure out, uh, can you know, Drew Aller under these circumstances be the guy with the – uh, with the wide receiver situation the way that it is, the offensive lack of explosiveness the way that it is. So, yeah, just a lot, a lot of questions coming out of this. But I think on the whole, uh, this season was pretty, pretty. I don't know. You think? Do you think disappointing is, is too is too harsh, Bob? No, it's. I, th- I wouldn't call it disappointing, but it w- They. It wasn't disappointing. What on the whole? What was disappointing to me was, uh, in against their big against the the biggest test they they looked like they were only they were not a complete team the offense just could not do nearly enough in the two biggest games of the year you're right about the bowl the bowl game you could give them a pass on that because the strength of their team was clearly their defense and they just did not have the same defense but the thing that's going to stand out to me is are the are the no-shows on offense uh in against Michigan and Ohio State it's one thing to lose a close tough, hard-fought game at the finish. But that wasn't the case really in either one of those games. And like I said, and I know we've talked about it, you look at the next two drafts, the two drafts, the 2024 draft, the 2025 draft, and you see where Penn State players are going to go in this draft. And they had the talent to be much, much, much more competitive in those two games. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was really, it was a, it was disappointing for the offense. It clearly wasn't disappointing for the defense or the special teams, but in this in this day and age, to to be that 
to be that bad on offense against a good team is is really damning, and you just can't you just can't have it. It's it's a it's a very very I think it's a season that's really going to have Penn State fans scratching their heads, and really there's too many there's 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 way more questions than there should be. I think about this offense. I think going into the off season, and a lot of it had to do with not only the wideout group, but also you know, what is the quarterback picture going to look like and what is the new OC going to be able to do? I just, I really felt like this was James Franklin's most talented team and it just, it just didn't show up on the scoreboard. And I think for that reason, um, you know, James can, James can talk a good game, but I think he's disappointed too. Yeah, he has to be. I think he has to be, Bob. And, you know, we're, we're kind of delving into this. This is our first time talking, I think, since before the Peach Bowl, because I, I took I took some days off after the bowl game. You, know, you went did, to Florida. And deservedly <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so so it feels like I'm sure Penn State you know fans probably dealt with this internally uh, after the Peach Bowl, just kind of stewing on the season a bit. Sorry to reopen some wounds if if we if we are right now, but um, I think it's a healthy conversation to just assess where they're at and where they're going. But yeah, James Franklin has to be disappointed because you look at. I mean, you look at the way that they've recruited over the last five years. Like they've been, they've been stride for stride with Michigan, um, and, and you saw what Michigan was able to accomplish this year, and you saw what Penn State did. And I mean, Michigan was complementary football to a T. Like their offense, you know, helped their defense, their defense helped their offense. And I just don't think Penn State's offense helped you know the defense enough at all this year when it really mattered in the Ohio State game, in the Michigan game, um, because when you hold Michigan to twenty four points. Uh, when you hold Ohio State to 20 points on the road, like that should be good enough that you win one of those two games. And the fact that they didn't is really damning. It's a reason why Mike Yersich was fired, uh, and it's a reason why there's so many question marks uh, entering this offseason, Bob. So we, we got plenty to talk about over the eight, eight months. We don't need to burn it all now. We don't. We don't. And we, let's not kid ourselves. But by the time we convene again next week, there's going to be some. You know, there's going to be some kind of movement at Penn State. It's it's just the way that January and, and, and early February work. We haven't even really talked about the coaching staff and maybe who might be on the hot seat. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like there were some position groups that really uh, needed to be better in 2023, and they weren't. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, Johnny, I'm glad you got it. The weather's not great uh, in the Northeast. I'm glad you made it back from Florida. I'm glad you got some time off. But, yeah, we'll be back next week, Penn State fans, to look at some other things. And I'm sure there's going to be some kind of movement uh, and, and, and there are going to be some new faces possibly or some new decisions that have been made about some players that have not made them yet. We'll get to that. We'll get to some of the young players we like. All that good stuff, Penn State fans. There's still another, technically another uh, signing day, I think, in February, although the, the hay is in the barn. But, Johnny, it's good to see you. Good talking with you guys, Penn State fans. We'll be back next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.